Coaches, what is up? This week we're coming at you from beautiful Seaside, Florida, as we start off week two of the KYPD Beach Sessions. Today we welcome the Adam Schefter of Texas High School Football and the go-to source for everything having to do with high school football in the state of Texas, Dave Campbell, Texas High School Football Insider, Matt Stepp. Matt has been with Dave Campbell, Texas football for three years this August, and before joining DCTF, covered high school football for the rival site, The Old Coach. Matt spends countless hours throughout the year covering high school football games. He has his own podcast with Greg Tepper. He does weekly write-ups throughout the year. He covers 7-on-7 in the summer. Puts together Dave Campbell, Texas Football Magazine, which is a state high school football bible. And, of course, Matt is the guy who breaks all the coaching changes in the state. That alone, plus the fact that he knows all of the best places to eat anywhere in the state of Texas, makes him a must-follow on Twitter and a guy you will want to listen to today. Matt and I talk about how he got his start covering high school football in Texas, his job at Dave Campbell, Texas football, interesting stories that he's broken over the years. Plus, he gives us his own step tease on teams that are poised to have huge turnarounds in 2019. So if you're wearing a hat, turn around backwards and show some respect for the one and only Matt Stepp on KYPD's The Beach Sessions. It is an honor to have the go-to source for all things Texas high school football on our podcast, and I'm looking forward to talking some ball with you today. Coach Taylor, appreciate you uh, having me on. Well, let's jump right in and uh, talk to us a little bit about your uh, your background and uh, where you grew up, things like that. Well, uh, I am a graduate of Everman High School, which is uh, just outside of uh, Fort Worth. Uh, they're, uh, I guess, now 5A Division II school. When I, when I was there, we were a really small 4A school. Um, I, I, ironically enough, uh, I, I did not play football. Um, I was at all the football games, obviously, but I was a basketball and baseball player uh, at Everman. Uh, but being a small school, you know, we only had about 800 kids in the school time. You know, we we all, all the athletes hung out. So I hung out with the, hung around the football team quite a bit, was around uh, a lot of the time and uh, always enjoyed the games. And I, I was obviously uh, a decent basketball player and baseball player and ended up playing a little college basketball at a Trinity Valley Community College uh, in a- Athens, Texas, which is a junior college. Okay. Um, enjoyed the football there. Always went to the football games, enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, towards the end of high school, uh realized that, uh, you know, what kind of figuring out what you want to do with your life. And, uh, time I thought I wanted to be a coach. And so, uh, I, you know, I was a majored in kinesiology. So I have an associate's degree, um, from Trinity Valley in kinesiology and my bachelor's, um, from UT Arlington. Um, and so, you know, my path was to get into coaching, um, and towards the end of my senior year in college, when I was about finishing up and did my, uh, my student teaching, um, just started to realize, you know, doing student teaching. And then, you know, I was, I was only going to class um, on Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I had Tuesdays, Thursdays off. So I did a little substitute teaching on the side uh, to earn a little extra money. Just kind of realized that, you know, being, being in the classroom uh, probably wasn't for me. Um, and, you know, one of my mentors uh, was the former head coach at Everman. Uh, his name was Danny Oakley. Um, I remember him telling me when he found out I wanted to be a coach was, you know, first thing he told me was, you know, if you don't enjoy being in the classroom, this is a profession for you because you're not going to be rich. And so you got to love what you're doing. And so those words kind of 
stuck with me when I was in college and just sitting in the classroom, just realizing this probably wasn't my favorite environment uh, to be in. So uh, I got out uh, when I graduated college. Instead of uh, getting into teaching, I uh, got into private business. You know, I still work. I work for a major uh, a major bank now um, in fraud. Um, got in as a as a mortgage guy at first. Uh, you know, mortgage. Uh, you know, when the b- b- bust happened, it was doing all the foreclosures and that kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. Uh, now I'm in the fraud side, but I still wanted to uh, be involved in high school football somehow. Well, you know, this is early. You know, when I was in college, I, I was posting on message boards a little bit. But once I got out, um, you know, 2003, 2004. I really started to take my posting on message boards a little more seriously and was really, uh, I guess you could say posting breakdowns of games, you know, and somebody would ask, Hey, you know, team A's playing team B this week. You know, what do you guys think? And I would write, you know, a detailed breakdown of the game and how I thought, you know, because I'd go to a lot of games. And so if I knew the teams, um, I would, uh, kind of have a little scouting report and be able to write about the games and talk about what I thought was going to happen. And, I guess I was right more than I was wrong. And people thought I was a halfway decent writer. And uh, I got, I caught the attention of a guy um, named Alan Zapata, who was the managing editor of a website called Texas Prep Extra, which was part of Rivals.com. You know, this is back like in the early days when Rivals wasn't Rivals now. Right, right. And, uh, you know, I said, hey, you know, we, we'd love for you to cover, you know, smaller schools in the Metroplex uh, and just kind of, you know, post in our message board or go to games and, write about things. It's like, I can't pay you, but, uh, you know, we'll give you a media credential. And, you know, for me at the time, being a young guy, you know, media credential meant getting to go to the press box and eat for free. And, yeah, there you go. Uh, I was getting paid in press box food, I guess, at the time. So, <laughs> um, just kind of started doing that. And, uh, the next year, I think you actually started paying me a hundred bucks a month and it just kind of grew from there as far as that yeah. goes. And, and, uh, I kind of bounced around the website, moved over from rivals to scout.com change names but we still kind of did the same things but um just continue to be around i'd go to a lot of games and 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 see a lot of coaches and and just start to slowly i guess build the trust of, of of coaches and i think part of that came from just honestly me going to a seven on seven a lot you know at that time you know people didn't really cover uh seven on seven we were we were kind of the only people uh covered it and so for me at the time, not being a full-time sports writer, you know, ha- having a day job, I didn't have the ability to go visit those schools during the day and, and see those coaches, and build that those relationships. Because just like coaching, you know, it, coaching is a relationship business. Um, you, you know, you have relationships with the kids and there's relationships with the administrators. Well, in the, in the media, um, it's a relationship business as well. We have to develop, develop relationships with, with the coaches, especially because – you know, I don't think media develops relationships with kids as much because the kids come and go. They're there for three or four years, two or three years, four years max, and they're right. gone. Whereas the coaches are there a lot more. So just building those relationships was, was key for me. And really the big thing was was going to seven on sevens because it was a kind of a work smarter, not harder mentality. Because I had, you know, at a seven on seven tournament on a Saturday morning, there'd be 16 coaches there. And I think coaches really um, relate better to people. Coaches are, you know, you guys are different, different creatures. You, you don't respond well to a, a guy, a random guy emailing you or a random guy picking up the phone and calling you. Uh, you guys respond better to putting in, putting a face with a name, shaking somebody's hand and chatting with them and building that rapport. And so over the years, continuing to go to those tournaments and, and, and introducing myself to more and more coaches, I think really helped me kind of build that rapport and build that trust. And then all of a sudden, you know, I started, 
you know, when coaching changes would happen, I'd start getting heads up on these things. Hey, you know, just a heads up, this is happening. And right. Get, right. But these forces and, and it is kind of, it is kind of built on itself and coaches talk, you know, they, that you got, you know, they talk and they say, Hey, that, that Matt step guy, you know, he's okay. He, he's trustworthy. You know, they'll take care of you and that kind of thing. And so yeah. I think that's kind of how, how it built. And yeah. I, I definitely work really hard. I mean, I mean, it's very cliche, but I mean, I, I work hard. My wife gets mad at me sometimes because I go to so many games and, and do so much stuff, but I just feel like that hard work gets rewarded um, when I'm able to break stories or do what I do. And I've earned the respect of, of my peers as yeah. well as um, the coaches who I'm covering. Well, there's a lot of a lot there that, that we're going to unpack and that's really what we're going to spend the rest of our conversation doing, but let's back up really quick. I'm curious what was your your first username or message board handle? Do you remember it? Yeah, Matthew three twenty eight. Okay, so Matthew three twenty eight caught the eye of uh, posters, yeah. and and so so from there it kind of just snowballed. Sounds like, and you know you caught you catch a few people's attention, and then all of a sudden you're you know getting asked to cover games, and so now you fast forward now to today. And, uh, you know, you are the, the um, insider for Dave Campbell, Texas football. So talk to us about how you got to Dave Campbell, what, what all you do there. This coming season will be my fourth, fourth football season with Dave Campbell. It's my third year anniversary is coming up. Uh, I started in August of 2016. Okay. Um, so I did 2016 football season, 2017, 2018. This will be 2019, my fourth football season. Um, and – I've you know in the media the media you know just like coaching the media is a small world we run into we run into each other in press boxes all the time you know coaches you guys run into each other at clinics or or various camps or when you're playing DEC meetings district meetings you know you guys run you know same thing with sports writers we bump into each other we know each other and uh, so I've always been uh, even though we were competitors um, I always had a lot you know respect for uh, for Greg Tepper and uh, Max and the job that they did. I actually met Max when Max was working for uh, Max Thompson, who's the director of our digital at Dave Campbell's. I actually met Max uh, in 2014 at the state championships. Uh, He was actually working for Yahoo and is living in New York City and had an assignment covering the state championship games uh, then. So I met him in the press box at AT AT&T Stadium at the time. So Max and I would run into each other quite a bit. Once Max started working for Dave Campbell's, and he'd always tell me, I'm going to get you to Dave Campbell's. I'm going to get you over there. And uh, for me, it was always a dream to work for Dave Campbell's Texas yeah, football. Right, it was right. it was really something. You know, it's it's it is the Bible, and it's it's a it would have been it's a dream come true, honestly. So, um, but I had a good gig at Old Coach. Um, I was working for Old Coach at the time, and uh, and I had a good gig. Um, but you know, I saw some things changing on the Old Coach uh, from uh, from a network standpoint and the direction that that they were going, and just didn't really didn't like the direct. You know, I just didn't like how things were looking in the future for the stability of the website. And so I felt like that, you know, when my contract, you know, I didn't have a contract with old coach. I was on a month to month contract. I just decided, you know, gave, gave him 30 days notice. And, uh, we kind of, I, the ironic thing is we kind of made the hand Max, myself, Max and Greg, who's Greg Tepper, the managing editor of Dave Campbell's myself, Greg and Max and our vice, pre, our, our president um, of the company, um, Adam Hockfelder, we basically made our handshake agreement at coach, coaching school in 2016. Oh, wow. Uh, Antonio. And then wow. a couple of weeks later, uh, I think it was a San Antonio. Yeah, it was San Antonio that year. Um, and then, uh, you know, we made it official on August 1st of 2016. So uh, that was really an awesome thing. Um, love working for Dave Campbell's. It's it's great. And just having that that name name value, you know, me associated with that brand um, is really something special for me. And I, I enjoy it. 
Yeah, of course. And you mentioned it being the Bible of Texas football. I mean, I think every coach out there can remember as a kid, and I know I can remember as a kid, just waiting for that day when uh, when that thing hit the um, hit the stores. You know, you run to HEB or Walmart or wherever you are, whatever store you got in your town, and, and go pick it up. And and before social media, and you had the big cover reveal. You know, you look and see who was on the cover, and you flip through and see what it says about your team, or you know what it says about your district. Who's where's that? Where everybody's ranked? And so that's always was always a a fun time of the summer. Uh, when that thing hit the, hit the uh, hit the stores, and so let's talk about that magazine. Uh, it's getting ready to hit stores statewide uh, end of this month. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah. Actually, the first fifty copies are in the office now. They got they, I think they got a few copies in the office now. Okay. For advanced viewing, just making sure. And these these are basically quality checks where we're making sure the colors are right and everything is is looking good. Yeah. Um, you know, make sure that that A and M maroon looks the right way and that the burnt orange looks the right way. Right. You'd be surprised if we get that wrong, it's going to make some people mad. Oh, I can so imagine. yeah, it should be in stores. I would think right at the end of the month, not first week of July. But um, I know we uh, our subscribers will get them um, mailed out a little earlier, um, and then we'll also have advanced copies out at the state seven on seven tournament um, for purchase as well. So, um, and then you know they'll be in stores as always, uh, probably the first of July. So. Super excited! Uh, it's it's we think it's a you know we think it's a great product once again and and, and we've a lot of a lot of talented people put a lot of work into that thing. It's it's it takes a, it's a long process, but it's really rewarding when it's finished. Well, yeah, I mean you know if you look at that thing, uh, and I know it says this on the cover, but remind me how many just if you can off the top of your head, how many high schools are covered in that magazine every year? It's over. 1400 i don't have the exact number right i know if you count six man and private schools as well over right 14. so over 1400 high schools plus you throw in there uh, all the texas colleges you know from everybody from university of texas on down to you know your d3 schools d3 jucos naia yeah, schools right yeah, yeah we cover them all how when does the process of starting that so that this 2019 magazine that we're all about to get our hands on uh some of us in a few days some of us in a couple of weeks when when does the process for for building that magazine start usually right around february 15th is when we um send out so the first thing we do is around the 5th of february we start sending out coaches questionnaires uh, right. to the high schools um, and then in March is when we begin to decide what we're going to put on the cover, what what our cover is going to be, and then kind of start to plot out our cover stories. Because, you know, the the, 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 the majority of the magazine stay, is the same template every year. You know, we're going to do the high school previews. We're going to do the college previews for the FBS schools. We're going to have, you know, two deeps and longer, longer write-ups on, on, the, on the, college, the, the bigger colleges. Um, so that's the, thing. the biggest thing we have to figure out is, is you know, then the, the recruiting section, the top 300 and the super team, all that stuff's the same year in and year out. It's, it's the cover and then whatever features that we decide to do, um, those, those are take some, some vetting to, to do. And so, um, you know, we decided on uh, the cover of Sam Ellinger um, on the cover, uh, Texas quarterback with the gatefold cover being North Shore and Duncanville featured, you know, personally right. being a high school football guy. I pushed for the North Shore Duncanville cover to be the main cover, uh, but I got overruled. But I get it. I mean, you know, Sam Ellinger, Texas, that's that's going to sell and that's going to do uh, great things. And it's a great story. The Longhorns won the Sugar Bowl last year and are, and are the story in college football in the state of Texas this year. So um, I think it's good. And the North Shore, I love the North Shore Duncanville cover, though. I think it's really awesome. It's how yeah. that game did last year and all yeah. the hype and hoopla around that game. Oh, yeah. It's made it a really unique thing. 
Well, we've had co- coaches from both of those schools on this podcast and have talked about that game uh, on, on several episodes. And, and I think that was great to capture that because that was an iconic Texas high school football game, had had everything you want in a football game. And uh, to be able to, to have that that moment captured in that cover, you know, I saw a picture of it online. It was, was, was really, really cool and a great idea. So talk to us. So we got the magazine. What else do you do for Dave Campbell? You know, so for the magazine, uh, basically my primary responsibility is I write, um, I do the previews for um, the Dallas Fort Worth area, all the DFW team, and also the Rio Grande Valley. Um, and then I have input on our state rankings and our all state teams, and that kind of thing. Um, for the website piece of Dave Campbell's, I'm not, and I also, ironically enough, do help with our bat. We have, we have we have a basketball magazine as well, and I, I, and I do help with that. I write uh, the college previews for uh, the Metroplex Division One schools, and the basketball magazine as well, the men's and women's programs. So TCU, SMU, uh, UT Arlington, and North Texas. Okay, um, so I do that as well. Um, but for the website, um, my primary responsibility as Texas high school football insider. Um, during the season is I write um, our uh, game preview. So we pick about 25 to 30 games each week um, that are the best games around the state. We try to mix it up by region and by classification. And I do a write-up um, on those games, make a prediction on all those games, and then kind of track it throughout the year. So usually I write, you know, a couple hundred words on, on each game. Sometimes it's a little bit longer. Um, I think some, our, our, one of our editors, Ishmael Johnson, kills me because he'll I'll send him 10,000 words. He's like, really? You know, 10,000 words. I'm like, hey, sorry, it's a big week. Um, yeah. And yeah. I'm also uh, in charge of uh, during the season uh, for the state rankings. So Greg Pepper and I split the uh, state rankings on the website. Uh, last year, I think I had the, uh, I believe I had the even number. So I had 6A, 4A, and 2A, and Greg had 5A, 3A, 1A in private schools. Okay. Um, so in charge of the rankings, uh, turn those in. Um, I do a weekly column um, during the season. Uh, it's basically, uh, I think it's the uh, ten things, ten things we learned about, you know, ten things from this week in high school football, or basically you know, the ten big things that happened, ten kind of hot button items that I saw, or some big upsets or trends that I'm seeing. Um, write a weekly column about that, um, and then obviously when I'm at the games, I'm live tweeting the games, and I'm doing a, a post game coaches interview with uh, the winning coach uh, to get some video content for the website as well. Um, so that's kind of my during right. the season routine. It's it's kind of just a routine that I do every week. It doesn't really change. Uh, yeah. Much. So so and you also do a podcast, right? With with Tepper, you have Tep and Step podcast. Right? We do have Tep and Step. We started that last year, and it was a it was a big hit. We usually record that season on uh, Monday nights, Monday evenings, most weeks. Um, where I'll go into the office um, after I get off work from my day job, and, and we'll knock out a podcast, and we'll do about an hour, just kind of uh, going in depth. I'm on some of the games where uh, the format of it is kind of where we do a draft. He picks five games. I pick five games. We kind of go deep dive um, into those 10 games uh, per week. So we kind of do a NFL draft style where you know, we flip a coin and whoever gets the first pick gets picked the game they want to talk about the most. I got you. So, and then we'll do a little recap of the week before. And then maybe at the very end, we'll have some fun. Like I do a lot of traveling. Um, and so temporarily, Hey, where are you going this week? And so, uh, you know, where are you going to eat at that kind of thing? So yeah. it's always a fun little ending to the, to the podcast during the, during the season, during the off season, my role switches a little bit. Um, obviously coaching changes are, are the biggest thing, um, that I keep up with. And that goes from, uh, when the coaches carousel starts spinning as soon as the season ends, it starts to go. Oh yeah. And, 
and it's we're at the end of June, you know, middle of June now, and still there's still some there's eight or nine jobs that are still open. So, you know, coaching changes are are one of the biggest things for me during realignment years. Um, realignment's also another big uh, a big item for me. And then obviously, you know, March and April are a little slower as far as content for the website, but I do I still do a weekly column. We call it this week in Texas high school football. Yeah. Where it kind of again just kind of recaps everything that happened the past week, any big coaching changes, um, interviews that are starting up, or if there's any other items that are of interest um, to the high school football fan, we'll uh, I'll do a weekly column on that, and then uh, then my coverage of seven on seven kind of kicks off right towards the end of magazine time. So May May is a super busy time because we're finishing the magazine up, and then we're also kicking off seven on seven coverage, and there's still coaching changes going on, so it's a lot going on in May. Um, and then it kind of wraps up and then, you know, seven on seven kind of goes until the end of June. Um, we cover that really heavily and then uh, get a little break before coaching school and then kind of coaching school is kind of our, our kickoff to uh, the the cycle of the season, which kind of kicks back off right again. It's kind of kind of all starts over again. Yeah. My wife, you know, she'll, she'll kind of fuss at me and go, football season never ends, does it? And I'm like, no, not really. It doesn't really end. You know, there's kind of a little break in January there and then you kind of get a break in March and April when it's just kind of the slower magazine time. Well, I think, you know, I was surprised when to find out, you know, we talked before this about that you do have a day job, that Dave Campbell is not your 24-7 job. I mean, you just mentioned all these things you're doing. How in the world do you find time to do that and your day job? You know, it's time management. I mean, I'm, 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 I've got a little touch of OCD, not going to lie, um, but I'm very organized and, and I've got good time management skills and, uh, and I've got a flexible job as well. I've got flexibility with my, my job. But yeah. it's funny, you know, a lot of, now I don't have to do a lot of digging for a lot of the information. Um, a lot of times coaches will kind of send it to me. Yeah. And uh, and I don't have to I don't have to dig around for it. Sometimes I have to, I have to dig, but a lot of times um, people will just give me the information and I'm able to just send a couple of texts and kind of confirm what, what I'm working on. So, um, yeah. but I mean, the key is just being organized and time management for sure. Yeah. As you mentioned, that head coaching carousel starts spinning. Really, you know, it starts as soon as the regular season's over for, you know, the, the teams that don't make the playoffs. They start, you know, coaches start resigning or get fired or, or step down, whatever. Uh, and that, that thing picks up all the way through, you know, especially after Christmas and into January, February, even March. And like you said, there's even some jobs open now. But talk to us about the origin of the step bomb. If guys are on Twitter, they know what we're talking about. Uh, you put out a little – Hey, there's going to be a DFW step bomb at 3 p.m. today, and and you know Twitter goes nuts. You don't really do much have to do much digging on the information now. So just talk to us about that whole process and how that starts. Like if you, if you Twitter goes, I think my phone when I tweet that. It, <laughs> my phone, is, it's crazy. But so the the step bomb come. It's a, it's a it's a play on the Woj bomb. Uh, so you know yeah, basketball right, fans know right. Adrian Wojnarowski right. as well. Well, Matt Thompson from Dave Campbell's Texas football dubbed me in jest that the woge of Texas high school football. Yeah. Got all the, and some guys will call me like Adam Schefter of Texas high school football. Those are all compliments yeah. to me. Those guys are really, really good at what they do. Much better at their jobs than what I am at my job. Um, so those are compliments to me. But at Max started calling me the woge of Texas high school football. And so they put that out on Twitter. And so then guys would just kind of start talking about, hey, when's the next step bomb coming or then, then the, the, the well, first it was the step tease. Yeah, oh yeah. yeah. I'll, I'll tease a little something. You know, hey, this school. I, I think I did a, I did a tease today that Snyder um, is going to hire uh, you know a DFW coordinator with West Texas ties. So that's 
that's the tease, and then the bomb will come Thursday when they actually make the hire. And then again, that, that's just part of that trust that's earned, you know, because I'll, if I know a guy's getting hired, I will reach out to that guy and basically I'll say, hey, coach, it's a step. Um, you know, I'm hearing you're getting this job. You know, can you confirm it? And if you can, just let me know when it's okay to post it. Try to work with the coaches and, you know, let, let the coaches control the message a little bit because it's a sensitive deal. They're leaving one group of kids. That's a sensitive deal. And they're going to a new place. And then also you think about it, you know, the other, other candidates who are going for that head coaching job, they deserve to hear it from the, the school district themselves. That's, that's, you know, you know, if you're applying for a job and you didn't get it, you'd probably prefer to hear it from that school versus hearing it from some slappy like me on Twitter. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. you know, so it's, I try to be respectful of the process and be respectful to, to the people that are involved because it's, it's, again, it's a relationship business um, at the end. And so doing that is kind of, that's, that's kind of the way I operate. A lot of other media members don't operate that way They're If they get it, they're going to go with it and be damned about everybody else. That's fine. I mean, and, and that happens sometimes. I, I won't break a story because someone else just decided to break it. But I feel like for me, um, that guy may break that one story, but I'm going to break 10 others because I've got the trust of the coaches yeah. and the people that, yeah. are, that are giving me the information. So, um, it kind of works both ways, but yeah, that's, that's the step tease. And then the step bomb is when I actually break the news. I guess the first time I actually ever heard somebody use the word step bomb, I think was when I broke, um, that, uh, Tom Westerberg was leaving Allen to Bar- Barber's Hill. Yeah. Um, I think that was the first time that I actually, uh, someone actually used the term step bomb, uh, on Twitter. I was on my lunch break at work. When that happened. I remember, <laughs> I remember I had lunch taco bueno and was coming back to work. And remember, remember tweeting that at a red light. Uh, I don't tweet while I'm driving. I was at a red light. Does anything surprise you anymore? No, uh, not anymore. I mean, the Texas high school football is so much fun to cover. It's so unique because our state is unique. You know, it's, 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 and every town is unique. Every, every school has its own unique story and and is unique. And there's never a shortage of interesting stories, storylines to cover. Um, and so, uh, but nothing surprises me either because you just, you're dealing with so many different people and everybody has, uh, you know, school boards don't surprise me anymore. Communities don't surprise me anymore. Coaches don't surprise me. Administrators don't surprise me. I mean, at this point, I, I won't say I've seen it all, but if I see something new, I can't say I'll be surprised because yeah. I'm just like, well, you know, that's what yeah. are you going to do? You know, crazy stuff happens. So I, yeah. I don't think I'm quite surprised anymore. Well, you talked about Tom uh, Westerberg leaving Allen to go to uh, Barber's Hill. What are some other memorable stories or coaching changes that you remember covering? Well, I mean, we have one just a a month ago with the Hart Browse thing. I mean, you know, my daughter's graduating on Saturday, that that Saturday Memorial Day. And, uh, you know, we're standing in line eating barbecue. My in-laws flew in from Canada to uh to watch her graduate we're in line you know at high barbecue in full Orth, little shameless plug there and i get two texts within within 30 seconds of each other from two numbers i don't recognize saying one said uh mount vernon's about to be national news and the other one said i think mount vernon just hired art briles and i had to take a look at my phone for a second because i'm like huh and so i immediately go this is the drill. When I hear these things, I go right to the Mount Vernon school board, school ISD website and look at the school board meeting agenda, which the first thing I noticed was they were having a school board meeting at 530 on the Friday before Memorial Day. And I was yeah. like, that's weird. 
And I actually pull up the agenda and it says, take action on hiring new football coach athletic directors. I'm like, okay, the timeline makes sense here because I've got two guys texting me at six o'clock saying Mount Vernon hired somebody. One of them saying browse. I see the school board agenda that says they had a meeting at five 30. So I'm like, okay, there's smoke here. So then um, I call a, a trusted source uh, from Mount Vernon who wasn't at Mount Vernon anymore, but was still very tied to the community and asked him, I said, Hey, is browse going to uh, Mount Vernon? Well then at that same, t- same point, the head coach at Bonham, John fish texted me and said, Hey, is Mount Vernon hiring Art Browse? Because obviously he's interested in that because they're playing Mount Vernon in week one. And so I'm like, I'm confirming. And sure enough, uh, I confirmed it. And I checked with Greg, my, 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 cause Greg Pepper is my boss. And I think mean, he's the manager of the website for him and said, Hey, this is what I think is happening. Do you feel comfortable with me going with it? He's like, do you trust your source? And I'm like, I do trust my source. And he's like, we'll go with it. And then I tweeted it out and, you know, there, you know, the rest is history. So, um, it's pretty crazy. That, that, that was probably this year easily the most memorable one. I think another one was probably uh, the whole DeSoto thing when Todd Peterman, after winning a state title, the board right. tried to tried to run him out of there. And uh, I actually got a call on that one about an hour and a half before the board meeting that said it was about to happen. And then when I tweeted it out, everyone from DeSoto showed up at the board meeting and the, and the board not removed Peterman at that time. I think the pressure, they, they decided to keep him, but then um, – and then when Peterman left DeSoto, um, I was doing Texas football today with Greg and Max, and I'm sitting at that show. We're sitting there, and, and Peterman texts me and says, "Hey, Matt, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm talking to the kids at, at twelve at one. Um, you can post it then." And I'm sitting there doing the show, and there's video of it. My eyes get real big, and I hand the phone to Max. <laughs> right oh there. wow! Wow. During the show, so that was another one uh, that was kind of memorable. So, but I think the bit the, the, the unique thing about what I do is is I try to give each UIL 11-man school, you know, if there's a coaching change, it doesn't matter if it's a tiny 2A Division II school, you know, if if, if I'm going to post about it, you know, I'm, I'm going to tweet it if I find out about it. So I try to give everyone uh, equal equal time. So, you know, I don't I don't cover six-man. I don't cover private schools, um, which is a preference of mine. So uh, I don't have anything against those those guys. Um, it's just my personal preference to cover uh, 11-man football in UIL. So it can be the small, you know, Burtville, you know, 76 kids. If they have a coaching change, I'm going to tweet it out, just like I tweet out if Alvin had a coaching change. In that community, that that's a big story. That's a big deal. And, and you know, someone's going to be interested in that job, and there's someone's going to have a stake in that job. So, yeah, that's that's big news to somebody. When you're putting out this magazine and you're you're placing everybody and where you think they're going to finish in districts or, you know, you break a story about a coach or whatever, you know, how do you deal with schools or guys getting pissed at you? It doesn't happen often, but sometimes <laughs> a big sometimes deep breath. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't happen often, but sometimes it does. And 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 I think part of it is just uh, being honest and upfront and, yeah. and be. And sometimes I, I have to. It has to be one of those deals where I'm like, Coach, I understand you have a job to do, but I also have a job to do as well. Yeah. You know, I respect the job that you do, so you know, respect the job that I do. You know, so yeah. And I, I I'll turn it back if a coach questions me, I'll be like, Coach, do you want you know some some plumber in the stands telling you what play to call on third and eight? then don't tell me how to be a journalist. You know, it's, yeah. the same, it's the same thing. I just ask for the same respect that any coach would want. Um, so, uh, but again, it's all about communication and, and, and being upfront, and just being honest. And so, uh, and just being respectful and understanding that I have a job to do as well. So, uh, 
Uh, it doesn't happen often. It doesn't. I don't get coaches to get mad at me very often. Um, I do get where some coaches will will not talk to me. And then what happens is 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 if a coach is not communicating with me, and I and then at that point, if I find out about something and I've given that coach an opportunity to tell me when it's okay to release, and he hasn't communicated with me, then I'm just going to go ahead and release it because at that point, I don't know what your timeline is. Right. So I had one of those this year where uh, I won't mention the coach's name, um, but I called him and I said, hey, coach, I'm hearing that you're going to be taking this job and, and, and just trying to find. Oh, no, he, he denied, 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 said so he wasn't taking the job. So I said, OK, well, then uh, come to find out, uh, I found out he was taking, he was getting the job and he uh, the board meeting was was on a Tuesday night and he wasn't going to have a chance to tell his kids until Wednesday morning. Well, he didn't talk to me, and so I didn't know he had talked to his kid. So when the board meeting happened on Tuesday night, I went with it because at that point it's public knowledge. At that point, yeah, um, yeah, and he wasn't appreciative of that. And I said, "Well, coach, I gave you a chance to talk to me. I, did, I didn't. You didn't tell me that you were talking to your kids on Wednesday. Yeah, you denied. And so at that point, it's public knowledge. I mean, he, if he would have said, "Hey, ma'am, I'm not talking to the kids until Wednesday," I would have held it, even though it was public knowledge, just hoping that maybe it wouldn't have got out there. But right. he didn't take the time to communicate with me and basically didn't, wasn't honest with me. So at that point, I was like, well, sorry, you know. Yeah, yeah. And I had another one like that this year where uh, – uh, and th- this was, wasn't Coach's fault. This was the school district's fault. A school district posted a job opening before the coach had a chance to talk to the kids. Oh, wow. So, oh. Well, I didn't I – mean, I'm going off the assumption that the district has posted the job. The coach has already talked to the kids. Yeah. Well, the district was very fast posting the job because I mean that's one thing I check the job boards regularly. That's you know, just in case things slip through. So I saw this one pop through and I was like, whoa. And so I called the coach and he didn't answer. So I was like, well, it's public knowledge. It's posted on the school website. So I posted it and then uh, uh, it wasn't even the coach. It was uh, I think the coach's daughter was pretty mad at me about it. She could run at me on Twitter about it. And I was like, look, the school your beef is with the school district, not with me because they yeah. posted the job before your dad had a chance. To to his players and say, yeah i'm not i'm not going to delete it because it's public knowledge but you know your your beef is with them not me so yeah um you know but yeah i mean if, and just like in, in any profession if, if there's a disagreement or a misunderstanding i think it's just better to communicate be honest and talk talk through it and at the end of the day we may not like each other's answers but at least there's a mutual understanding and mutual respect there yeah that's, you know all i ask that's that's what i try to give back in turn well, and I think that's why you like like you'd mentioned before that that you ra- rarely have to dig for information now that guys are actually seeking you out saying, hey, you know, I want to go ahead and tell you here's what's going on and, and being up front with you because they do, there, there is that trust and that mutual respect there for the job that you do. Uh, well, well, let's let's move into this upcoming season. So I know you have you, you, you already have planned out each week where you're going to be. Is that correct? Not yet. I'm okay. still waiting on a few schedules to get finalized and, and things like that. Um, but uh, so I, I have I know where I'm going. We I think the first two weeks of the season, I, I'm pretty sure. I don't think actually no, I don't have my Thursday games picked yet. Okay. Um, okay. The first two weeks, but I know uh, I know the first two Saturdays. I think week one, I am going to uh, watch Huddle Huddle of West Mesquite. And then it, the nightcap is going to be uh, Dallas Carter and Houston Yates. That'll be a fun Saturday night game. Yeah. Um, and week two Saturday, I know I've got uh, 
the doubleheader of the Cotton Bowl. I believe it's going to be Arlington Bowie and Mansfield and Cedar Hill and Denton Geyer. And then, my, and then I'm going to leave the Cotton Bowl and drive to East Texas for the nightcap and go see Tatum and Dangerfield okay. on Saturday, Saturday night out in Tatum. Yeah. So I know that's where I'm going. And then I think week three, I know where my Saturday, my Saturday game week three is going to be down in South Texas. It's going to be at Taft uh, versus Bishop, a couple of 3A schools down in our Corpus Christi area. So um, generally the way my schedule works is that I plan out my Saturday schedule well in advance because that usually involves travel for me because, I, again, I have a day job, so I can't travel as much. Uh, Thursday and Friday, I'm kind of limited to about an hour and a half drive from my my job, which is I work near DFW Airport. Yeah. So and an hour and a half can be very, depending on traffic, might not be that far away. Exactly. Um, so uh, try to stay within an hour and a half of the office on Thursdays and Fridays. But Saturday, I can get out and travel a little bit more. Um, so and I, and I kind of leave my Thursday, Friday schedule a little more flexible. You know, if, 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 a game, if I pick a game in week six that I think might be interesting if both teams are one in five. Then I'm probably going to call an audible and go see a better game. Yeah. So yeah, I leave a little like, leave a little wiggle room uh, if I can um, for for my schedule. But that's kind of my early early season slate. But I've got a few. I got two or three trips to Houston. I think two or three trips to San Antonio schedule. I got a trip to the Rio Grande Valley scheduled. Um, I've got an Austin trip scheduled as well. So I try to get around and, and hit most of the major parts of the state that have uh, Saturday games for sure. Well, so in all of your travels around to see Texas high school football games, I'm sure you've observed some really cool traditions or uh, awesome things that, that you see going on that a lot of us don't get to see because we're coaching our own schools uh, on Friday or Thursday or Saturday. So uh, share with us a little bit of some some cool traditions or things that that, that some schools have going on, maybe some school uh, cool stadiums that you've seen in your travels across Texas covering Texas high school football. Well, I know the, the, the coolest stadium I've ever been to is uh, out in El Paso. It's uh, Jones Stadium. And if you look it up on Twitter, Texas Bob, um, you can find it. it. It is one of the most iconic uh, stadiums in the state of Texas. The school is an old, old structure that sits on a hill. The stadium is kind of a semicircle built into a canyon. Uh, it's a beautiful, beautiful facility. Oh, cool. It's, it's really, really nice. It was built in like 1918. Um, they've kept it up really nice. They've you know remodeled it a few times. Um, it actually also is not birth, the birthplace of Friday Night Lights. The first ever night high school football game in Texas was played right there in El Paso at Jones Stadium. Oh, cool! That's one of my favorite stadiums. Um, love Mustang Bowl in Sweetwater. That's always a favorite. Um, the older stadiums are cool. I, I can't wait to see the new the remodeled uh, Tomato Bowl yes. in Jacksonville. Yep, um, looks great. I've been to, I've been to a game with the old Tomato Bowl, but I haven't seen the new one yet. So. Um, super excited to see that. Um, I think the coolest rivalry game I've ever seen is probably uh, Port Nates Rose and Nederland. Uh-huh. Um, Mid-County Madness down there, the Gold Triangle. It's just bananas. It's a crazy, crazy rivalry game. Um, what was really, really fun. That was a game where the one student section shot a Roman candle when I went on the other side of the field and into the other student section. So, oh, wow. A little, da- little dangerous. Never yeah. seen that before. I love going to the Rio Grande Valley and seeing high school. The first ever football game I covered in the Rio Grande Valley was uh, San Benito and Harlan. It's called the Battle of the Arroyo. Um, it's a huge rivalry down there. And I was sitting there, and at halftime, they have a fireworks show. And I'm just like, what in the world is this? <laughs> no, this is bananas. Yeah. Um, so we saw that. Another cool stadium, the Alamo Stadium in San Antonio. I thought oh, the, yeah. the way that the San Antonio ISD remodeled that stadium was this first class, keeping the history and tradition of yeah. the stadium. Really, really awesome place. Love, love that place as well. 
you know, there's a lot of traditions. Uh, you know, I, I like the Mahaya Girl Scout game where they have the battle of the Navasota River where they take the sign from the river and whoever wins the game gets to put sign on their side of the river. Oh, um, that's cool. That's, that's a fun one. Um, Sherman Dennison, the Battle of the Axe. I, I love rival, rivalry games; are always a blast. You know, Sherman Dennison's a, a huge rivalry. Longview Marshall, all those, all those really cool rivalry games are always uh, a lot of fun as well. Okay, why don't you tell us about some teams that are going to start the year under the radar, but that we need to look out for in the 2019 season? So I was thinking about this when you asked me this, and, and it's really rare. We don't have there's. It's really rare for a team to go from being bad to being elite in one year. Yeah. Um, that doesn't happen often. Now it does happen. Okay. Like San Sabo was a great example last year. The Armadillos were three and seven in 2017 and then went from three and seven to 14 and one. That's, that's rare. Typically what happens in the evolution of, of a team as they grow is though a lot of times they'll go from being three and seven and then they'll go like eight and four and then they'll go 14 and one, you know, it's kind of, it right. progresses. So there's right. two categories that I kind of looked at. I looked at teams that really struggled last year that kind of have a chance to maybe go from one or two wins to seven or eight wins and maybe have a really good breakout year. And then also the teams that were, you know, five and five, six and four, seven and four, and maybe have a chance to take the step into like being in a a double digit win. Yeah. So just a few, and I'm not going to give much away because you need to buy the magazine. I've got two, a two, a three, a couple of four, a's and a five, a and six, a. So, Uh, we'll start in 2A. You know, a team that I, I kind of like on paper is the Ozona Lions. Um, okay. Kyle Freeman there had a rough year last year, went 2-8, and eight, but they've got um, 17 starters back, had a good JV team last year, and I think they're in, they made state 7-on-7 seven seven this year, so you can tell that, that senior leadership is kind of kicking in, so I anticipate they're going to take a step and jump into the playoff mix and have a chance for 7, eight, you know, eight, seven or 8 wins and possibly a playoff victory. Okay. Um, Another one of the Metroplex, and this is a team that I actually am going to go see this year, is Pilot Point. Seven and four a year ago, 15 starters back, eight and two JV. Uh, I think the Bearcats are poised to go from being that kind of borderline playoff team uh, to being a real contender in their region. Now, they're in a really tough district. they got to deal with Brock. Um, oh, yeah. if, if there's a year to get Brock, it might be this year because Brock is very, very young, or Pilot Point is very, very senior heavy. So I think Pilot Point, after going seven and four a year ago, has a chance to really have a have a big season. They've got some really good skill talent that I'm, I'm impressed with. In four A, this is a team that that really I got when I told the guys in, in our uh, meeting that I thought this team was going to make the playoffs. I thought I was insane, but I think the Livingston Lions are going to take a step forward. All right. They've lost. They've had back-to-back winless seasons, but they have a second-year head coach, Finest Vanover, who's been there for a while. He's been around the block. He's second-year Livingston, but he's been around for a long time. He's got 15 starters back. There's two. There are two sub varsity teams where a combined 17 and three. So there's talent coming and yeah. experience back as well. And they also got a, a really good transfer uh, from Cold Spring that moved in and, and is eligible, was cleared um, to play. Uh, as the running back. So I think all that combined, plus a second year under Coach Vanover and a, sec- a full offseason in his system, I don't think Livingston is going to be anything that, that um, competes for any you know big regional honors this year. But I can see them going from 0-10, going 6-4, and 4, getting sneaky into the playoffs as a 3 or a 4 seed, maybe mess- messing around and win a playoff game. And I talked to a coach in the district who said he'll be shocked if they don't make the playoffs this year. And he said next year, he goes, he'll be shocked if they don't win their district, whatever district. So keep an eye on Livingston. Wow, there you go. Forward this year. There you go. 
And then another team in four that I like is uh, is Columbia. Um, 19 starters back, 10 on offense, 9 on defense from a 6-4 and four team last year. So this is a, a good team last year. Just was they were in a really tough district, got, got out of the playoffs on a tiebreaker, on a three-way tie. 19 starters back, plus their JV was 9-1. and one. So they're going to have talent coming in along with all that experience back. They made State 7-on-7 seven seven this year for the first time. Super, super talented. They're in a tough district, but, you know, Sealy lost a lot. Needville lost a lot. I think that district for the Tech and West Columbia, uh, Columbia, the Roughnecks, could be a team to keep an eye on. And then 5A, 6A, uh, 5A, I picked Abilene Cooper, um, 6 and 6 a year ago, got to the second round of the playoffs. I've got a lot back. I think they're they're poised for a good year. And yeah. then 6A, I really like the Mesquite Skeeters. I love Jeff Fleener and what he's done there. Yeah. They've got some great underclassmen coming. Their quarterback today, I think right before, right before I got on the phone with you, committed to Minnesota. So they've got him back. They've got, I believe, uh, 13 starters back, and their their JV and freshman were 18 and two last year. So they're a really tough district. They got to deal with Longview. They got to deal with Rockwall. But I think Mesquite, the Skeeters, are a team that really need to keep an eye on Metroplex. Wow, great information and great insight on those teams. I mean, you even got sub varsity records. A lot of great stuff there, Matt. Uh, makes me ready to to go grab my copy of, of Dave Campbell's when it comes out. Well, it's obvious in talking with you that you love your job and you have a passion for what you're doing and, and you really you pay attention to details and you, and you are good about building relationships with coaches. So what is the your, your the favorite part of your job? Without question, my favorite part of the job is especially in when it's when the, when the time changes late in the season. So early in the year when I'm driving to a game, it's usually still daytime. And then yeah. when I pull up to a stadium, it's still during the day. It, 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 but you know that that anticipation before a game, just yeah. especially when it's when it's late in the year and, I, and at night, and I see the stadium lights kind of off the dis- distance, and I know I'm close. Yeah, that, that feeling, you know, of, of it's time, you know. And, and even though I'm just covering the game, I just love it so much. And it's just such a such a good time. And I'm like, I'll sit in the press box and be like, man, I can't believe they're paying me to do this, you know? Right. And uh, just that anticipate that Friday night. I mean, just that whole Friday night atmosphere, just going to a game and. I make it a point when I get to a game, if I get there early enough, go down on the field, say hi to the coaches, let them know that I'm there. And just that whole experience of Friday night is, is just, just really, really special. And I would, you know, all the hard work, I mean, I'm not going to lie. I mean, right in the game preview, especially later in the year when they, when it starts to be a little bit of a grind, um, kind of wears on you a little bit, but I'll, I'll look at that hard work and then Friday night being the reward for all that hard work. You know? Yeah, exactly. So definitely game nights, you know, in Friday night, but I mean, Thursday, I love going to Thursday games, Saturday games, just going to games in general is, is easily my favorite part of my job. You mentioned going and talking with coaches down on the field. Do you have a, a routine that you follow once you go cover a game that you, you always follow when you're covering games? Absolutely. I, I, I get to the stadium and I, you know, if, Depending on how their their protocol is with the media, I you know get to get in and get my credentials and then go uh, up to the press box, uh, put my things down, you know get, get myself set up, I get my laptop plugged in and get get my my notebook notepad out, and my binoculars, and uh, have have everything set up and then I head head straight down to the field and uh, we'll say hi to both head coaches and chat with them for you know a few minutes just depending on how close it is to game time and. And, you know, and I can judge a coach. If I can tell a coach is not real talkative and super nervous um, or, or, or I don't know him as well, I may just come down and introduce myself and talk to the luck and then ask him post-game if he'd mind doing an interview with me. But if, if I know the coach really well, then we'll we'll chat it up for five, ten minutes while he, they're standing at midfield. Yeah. Sometimes, you know, me and both coaches will sit there and have a three-way conversation, just talk, um, just depending on how well I know the guys. So 
Um, and then I also try to make a point to say hello to the referees and just thank them for what they're doing. Uh, we don't have enough officials. You're right. Um, and so uh, I try to make it a point to let them know that I appreciate what they do as well because those guys aren't perfect. They're, they're going to miss calls. But, I mean, just the fact that they're out there, you know, is important to our game. And, and we need more officials. And, and, and I'm definitely a champion of that as well on Twitter. So I try to make it a point to say hello to the officials as well. Um, and then usually I head back up to the press box and uh, if they have food, I'll grab me a bite to eat before the game. And and then I just usually log on. And then if there's other, you know, if it, there's other games that have already started, I'm just kind of on Twitter, just looking at, looking at the scores and seeing what's going on around the state. And then uh, once the game, in, you know, so during, during the game, I'm taking notes, I'm t- tweeting out updates from the game. Um, and then after the game, you know, I'll head down and uh, do a post game interview with the coach. You mentioned press box food. Can you tell me what schools or stadiums put out the best spread up in the press box? Number one spread in the state. Again, this is in El Paso. I'm telling you. Uh, El Paso Del Valle. Um, they have the best – they call it the Del Valle Cafe. But basically, their home ec department um, basically home cooks everything. Oh, wow. Um, and it's it's um, it's just a massive spread of, of goodness. And they and it's a class. I mean, those, those students, they actually get graded. They, they actually, like, wait on you. They, they – they take your plate from you. They ask you if you want to refill. Like I leave there feeling like I have to tip yeah, uh, because yeah. it's, it's that's the time you, you're, I'm sitting there covering a the game and I've got you know somebody going, hey uh, sir, do you need a refill? And they have little name cards. They might, Mr. Step, do you need a refill? Do you need anything else to eat? Do you want some dessert? And it's just like, and we're talking a whole spread depending on what you know what the the, the class is cooking that day. Um, it could be enchiladas, barbecue. They have you know desserts, pies, cobbler. Um, oh wow. It's it's pretty incredible. So that's a good one. Um, Texas High, Texarkana has a great spread. I think every restaurant in Texarkana brings food into that place, and it's just a smorgasbord of just whatever you want from all these restaurants. Um, that's a really good one. I've heard I've never been to Paraland, but I've heard Paraland, uh, the rig has a great spread as well. So um, need to get down there and check that out because I've heard they have like steak, like salt grass. Oh wow! Box. So wow. And then I covered a game in Tyler uh, this last year, and uh, the superintendent Tyler typically serves Whataburger in the press box, which I had great. Love Whataburger. Um, but the superintendent told me if I ever got to a game at Rose Stadium, he would make sure that Stanley's got catered into the press box for us that day. And sure enough, I went and covered Tyler John Tyler and Tyler Lee last year on a Saturday night at, at Rose Stadium. And I showed up, and they had Stanley's barbecue. Oh, so awesome. The, the, other, the other sports writers were, were like, you need to come here more often. Yeah. And so that was pretty good, too. But, I mean, it, it, Temple's got a great one as well. I think every restaurant, Temple, caters something. Uh, best press box, Frito Pie, is in Abilene at Shotwell Stadium, though. That, I don't know what they put in their queso. Might be something <laughs> illegal, but really, really good queso. And, and their Frito Pie is the best in the state of Texas. Awesome. There you go. So, hey, if you didn't make the list, coaches or press boxes, well, there you go. There's something to shoot for. Give you some ideas on some things that you can put up in there to uh, improve your home department. There you go. There you go. You're killing two birds at one stone right there. They can get some practice on on hospitality and and the the assistant coaches in the press box get to eat good. See, it's a win-win. We need more ideas like that in education. I mean, that just makes too much sense not to do. Well, let's 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 move in uh, as we get ready. As we're closing in on an hour here, we're going to close out with some rapid fire questions that I would imagine guys would probably want to know uh, those who of us who follow you on Twitter or see you around at clinics or at games or whatever. So we all know you're a long suffering Baltimore Orioles fan. So if you were the owner of the Orioles, what's the first thing you would do? 
he he's a good Texan, but I'd get rid of Chris Davis. Yeah, I, really. It's time to cut bait. I mean, I know at this point, just eat the salary and just cut bait. I mean, it's just that's I, I just think his struggles and his his lack of production has just kind of been as an albatross around the neck of the team. I think at some point you just got to cut bait, and move forward. Yeah. Okay. All right. But I mean, they've gone with the youth movement, and it's it's bad. It's really bad this year. But this is kind of what needs. It needs to be kind of just a complete enema, basically, of everything that's <laughs> over. So, all right. Well, when did the backwards hat thing start? Oh God, I don't know. I think it kind of happened. Or so I'll, I've always loved. My, my dad always wore ball caps, and so I, I liked wearing ball caps. And I played a lot of baseball growing up, and even when I wasn't playing baseball, when I was out and about, I always uh, had a ball cap on um, when I could. I mean, obviously at school and you know, church, those kind of things wasn't allowed to have it, but. Um, if I was out just kind of hanging out with buddies or whatever, I'd have a ball cap on. And, 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 uh, so just kind of, I think it was kind of morphed from there and just, but I, I wanted to kind of still be my own guy. And so my dad would always fussed me about wearing my hat backwards, but that's just the way I like to wear it, especially the fitted cap, but the major league baseball caps. Yeah. Um, and so my wife knows that I like cats. She, she always buys a couple of, you know, for Father's Day or my birthday or for Christmas, she'll buy me a new hat. Yeah. Um, and kind of add it to rotation. I'm about 15 or so that I just kind of rotate around. And uh, just kind of, I guess, I always like wearing ball caps, but I kind of still wanted to be my, my own guy. So I just decided to wear it backwards. And, and you know, I get a comment here and there, people who don't think it's professional. But then I also, when, I, when I'm at coaching school and I'm not wearing a cap because in the exhibit hall, I try to, you know, that's one out of respect for Coach Rutledge and, 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 the THSCA, I, I don't wear a hat in the exhibit hall. So it's funny. People do not, there's a lot of people who don't recognize me. Oh, yeah. The ball cap. yeah. So, um, that's a funny thing. So uh, I, just, I get out of my signature. So, and thankfully, uh, you know, the guys I work with at Dave Campbell's, so it's not a problem for them. You know, they, they don't mind. They, they're like, no, keep wearing it. Cause if you stop wearing it, people would ask questions. So, yeah. You know, yeah, it's kind of more from there. Well, and, and you, you know, you mentioned having about 15 hats. And for us, for guys, hats are like, shoes to women you know i mean you can't ever have too many good hats and and no. so when you're looking across your collection what's your what's the favorite hat you have right now oh it's the orioles cap i mean i've got i've got three orioles caps um i guess my, the one i get the one that gets worn the most is probably just the all black one even though it's not really a orioles cap it's got the orioles logo on it but it's not really an official cap yeah but i'm the all black just because it kind of matches with everything yeah it's, it's, it's an easy Yes, the orange doesn't always go go well with everything. Yeah, of course, but, I got you. Yeah, my, my Orioles caps are great. But I've got a I got a Am uh, Lance Lonert from Amarillo. Uh, he used to work for the Globe News. Got me an Amarillo sod poodles hat. Oh, nice. Sweet. Yeah, I, I've worn that. I wore that a few times too. It's a pretty sweet hat as well. Okay, well, so we talked about you know you're covering all these games and you travel across the state, so you've run into a lot of interesting mascots. What's your uh, your favorite Texas high school mascot? And if you need to list off a few, that's fine. Um, yeah, I think, you know, there's, there's a stretch on I-35 south of Fort Worth where you've got Grandview and Itasca right next to each other. you got the zebras in Grandview and the Wampus cats in Itasca. Yeah. Don't really know what a Wampus cat is, but it's a unique mascot. And then not far from there is the uh, frost polar bears, you know, so that, right. that, that stretch, you know, the, I, I don't think that's the frost polar bears, the winter's blizzards. Yep. Yep. Um, you know. You know, you just can't go wrong with, with those uh, with those names. Those those are, those are the, probably my my absolute favorites for sure. I'd say Mason's got a good one too. The Punchers is not is, isn't a bad one as well. That that's a good one as well. There's 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 a lot of good ones. I mean, the San Antonio Lanier Vokes. Oh yeah, um, you know, that that's that's a great one as well. Uh, a really 
definitely unique. And I, I, I think the mesquite skeeters are really unique as well. I mean, the, the stormy, the, Stormy the mosquito, or I guess Stormy the skater. I mean, you know, you you're going to a mosquito game and you see a a kid in a mosquito suit running around. <laughs> yeah, always uh, entertaining as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, last one. Uh, so, coaching school is in Houston this year. We all know that you are a, a food aficionado. Man. So, give us some give us some recommendations on places to eat when we're in Houston for coaching school this year. Definitely go for for Tex Mex. Gotta go to Spanish Flowers. We discovered it last uh, two years ago when coach school was in Houston, and I think we went twice that weekend. So, uh, Spanish Flowers is awesome. I think the location is in the Heights. That's great. Uh, Kenny and Ziggy's Deli, kind of a Jewish deli, um, really, really good sandwiches, um, and I think they have good pies too. Uh, I think, and I, I think it's actually located somewhere around downtown. Uh, it's really good. Um, if you want to get breakfast, the Breakfast Club with K K L U B is fantastic chicken and waffles to die for um really really good um and then barbecue uh gotta hit killings in paraland i know it's a little bit of a drive from downtown but if you get down to paraland uh killings is uh definitely my go-to for sure well there you go coaches well matt where will y'all be set up uh, at coaching school or y'all be there in the exhibit hall yeah, we have a big setup uh, with Fox Sports Southwest. Uh, we'll, we did, I think, last year at coaching school, we did like 50 interviews. Yeah. Probably won't do that, do as many this year because me and Pepper's voices were about to, we, we were having to drink honey and lemon tea the last day because our voices were fried. But uh, uh, we'll be, we'll have a pretty, we, we, we'll be hard to miss. We're usually set up right in the middle. And, uh, you know, Mr. Campbell, I think, is going to be there again this year for a day signing Matt. I mean, Mr. Campbell used to be able to go to all coaching school, but he's 92. So usually right. after a day, we usually, right. uh, he gets a little tired. So we take him, uh, one of our operations folks take him back home. Uh, but he'll be there one day signing magazines and we'll be set up and we'll be there for all, all three days. And we're, we always love chatting with coaches, not just the head coaches, you know, the assistants and everybody. We, we just love chatting and talking ball because, you know, it's, there, there's three big markers of the off season that we kind of look at. You know, there, there's magazine day when we finish the magazine. And then we have State 7 on 7 tournament is our other big marker in June. And then coaching school in July is kind of the final marker before the season starts. So when coaching school hits, we're usually pretty amped up and ready for the season. So. Yeah. Well, Matt, thanks so much for coming on and sharing uh, everything that you do for, for Texas high school football. And thank you for all that you do and promoting our game and making it such a big deal. And uh, look forward to uh, seeing you at some games and at some clinics and definitely in coaching school. So thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. Thanks, Coach. Appreciate it. Big thanks to Matt for coming on and talking with us today and sharing with us all that he does for Texas high school football. If you're not following Matt on Twitter, what are you doing? Seriously, give him a follow at Matt underscore step 817. You could thank me later. Our quote today is, a good leader takes a little more than his share of the blame and a little less than his share of the credit. Coaches, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of KYPD Beach Sessions. Till next week. Keep your pads down.